An idea born out of Monday morning chats at the coffee machine. In this series, we chat to our guests about their going out experiences and how it shaped them. Join us, Pippa and Georgia, team members at Skiddle who love going out and miss chatting about it. Welcome to episode five of the Going Out podcast. Today we spoke to Emerald Rose Lewis. We chatted about growing up on the outskirts of London, her journey from her first Rinse FM show to now, and what it's going to feel like to get back into the clubs after a year hiatus. Enjoy. Today we welcome DJ and radio presenter Emerald Rose Lewis to the Going Out podcast. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me, ladies. We're really excited to have you. Really excited. We kind of broke our DMB, like no DMB <laughs> situation last week. So it's great to get another yes. one, another one on representing uh, base, I suppose. Um, so we just want to hear about your going out experiences, really. Where did you grow up and what were you doing when you were first going out? I mean, my going out, my first going out stories are not cool. <laughs> that is completely fine. <laughs> they, they, they often are. They yeah. often are. <laughs> so before I started going to like actual good raves with good music, uh, my stomping ground was Southwest London. So I was going out in Kingston a lot, which consisted of every Friday night at Oceana. <laughs> which I don't think it's not called Oceana anymore. I think it's called Prism. Like the oh, yeah. 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 Every, every that kind of town has that kind of club. Yeah. And they're now called Prism all over the country, but they used to be called Oceana and they were legendary. But yeah, you could find me in the R&B room most of the time at Oceana, stuck to the floor, drinking lamb Oh, amazing. I was going to say, actually, one like common thing about those clubs is that your feet would stick to the floor. Oh, yeah, they always had carpet. That was just like a memory that like broke then, just being like (laughs) across the floor. Yeah, it was absolutely minging. But it was a really good time. And uh, yeah, I was a little bit of a Larry teenager, really. And I was always flushing my eyelashes down the loo in tears by the end of the night. (laughs) So uh, that was me. But yeah, I'm from like the southwest london outskirts like a middle ground between surrey and southwest london basically in a place called shepparton which is near stains everyone knows stains so i normally just say i'm from stains <laughs> nice. Nice. I, I feel really bad because like i don't know anywhere south of manchester other than birmingham and london so this is a, this is a new place for me <laughs> well I've been, I've been in hackney for over 10 years now so i'm just gonna say london yeah, yeah. yeah. such yeah. a big place so yeah. When you were going out during those times, what kind of music were you listening to? Like, what were the artists that you were kind of looking up to? Oh, I mean, maybe let's fast forward from <laughs> Oceana time. <laughs> um, when I first started properly going like to actual raves and to proper parties and to big clubs and venturing further than Kingston, further <laughs> into London, uh, well, not even that much further. I was, I was hanging out in Vauxhall quite a lot, going to Hidden a lot of the time and um or going to Mata, which was i think it is Mata. i think it's called Mata, which is the club underneath well inside the millennium dome which used to do forward which was a rinse night and lots of other dubstep nights basically which was around magnetic man era yeah red light katie b that kind of era dubstep was my thing for a long time so yeah that's kind of where it all began really in terms of clubbing we were chatting about that weren't we on last week's with mm-hmm. hybrid minds yeah so he said that he went got into like drum and bass around the dubstep era mm. and it feel like it felt like that was where like bass was kind of like coming through a little bit more and it was getting more widely known and then he said it went over to like america and basically shot off and then <laughs> drum and bass like i don't know 
got bigger here. So were you yeah. de- DJing at that time? No, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't brave enough to really. I was kind of just... I was more selecting. I was playing for mates. I was playing for a couple of mates who had... Sorry, just knocking the microphone there. I was playing for a couple of mates who had like small record labels. I was always like, can you play my party, please? That kind of DJ. But I wasn't really mixing properly yet. I didn't have the equipment and uh, all the balls too, basically. So until I further along when I started at Rinse, I wasn't really playing out. But I would have loved to have been. Yeah. I would have loved to have been, but it just wasn't... I wasn't ready at that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, you yeah. reeled off a ton of jobs on Sarah Story's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, can you talk us through some of those? Because I feel like that always coincides with when people first start going out and stuff and they just want a bit of pocket money or whatever to go out with. Totally. What, what were some of the jobs that you were doing? Oh, my God. So many, so many different jobs. Um, my first full time job was at Top Golf. I don't know if anyone listening knows Top Golf. Do you guys know Top Golf? I've heard of it. No, I have been. It's like it's like a driving range kind of thing. It's a, yeah, it's a driving range, but it's like lads, lads, lads. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh OK. It's little things called bays, basically. And I was a bay host, which is basically a glorified barmaid, but who steps outside of the bar and goes up to the uh, up to the bay and says, you want lads, fancy a pint, fancy a burger. That was my job for a good two years full time oh what was that Um, like dealing with like a load of larry lads all the time i really enjoyed it the banter with the like vibe yeah i imagine it's kind of like woo (laughs) it's a lot of fun it is a lot of fun and it's uh I, i think i just thrive in social environments like that yeah and so it kind of, it kind of, it just, it felt great. It felt great. And I made a lot of mates there for life and it was, it was good. It's, it's really nice working in hospitality. I think I've, I've done a lot of hospitality jobs where I've worked in bars and restaurants and whatever. And it's almost like it kind of sets you up if you want to be a presenter or something like that. It's a really good way to sort of test your personal skills yeah. because every, every person you're meeting is completely different mm-hmm. and your responses have to be quick and fast. And it's a good way to sort of get yourself used to dealing with so many different personality types yeah i never thought of that especially because you don't know what the other person's gonna say so i guess that's really good experience for like your presenting stuff yeah yeah totally because everyone's so different you get thrown into all kinds of awkward situations a lot of the time as well and you get thrown into amazing situations too so yeah i'm really grateful that i had that time working in hospitality but then also alongside that i was doing about six million other jobs (laughs) um i was teaching assisting i was doing one-on-one with autistic children i I was full-time nannying my eight-month-old brother for a bit as well. I was in a dance troupe where we did disco skates and hula hoops. We were doing like music videos and festivals and all that. Oh, that sounds Um, sick. What other jobs did I have? Are you pretty like badass then on the rollerblading and stuff like that? You know what? I'm I'm sick at hula hoops. But when I first started skating, when I started getting good, I broke my leg. Oh, yeah, I broke my leg really bad and my ankle. This was like six years ago now, maybe almost seven years ago. It was seven years in October, I think. So I worked it out the other day. And uh, I smashed my ankle to pieces and my calf bone, my, my tibia. And I've got templates and two screws in my leg now. Oh so you will not see me on a pair of roller skates. It's <laughs> <Wow. laughs> understandable. Was it like yeah, the I'm roller skates with the four wheel, like the square oh, wheels all, like, all on one line? 
quads. Oh, with God, the they're so yeah. hard. Oh, yeah, awesome. in, in lines, I think are a bit easier to balance, but quads are quads. You've got to really find your feet, and it's very easy to fall over. Yeah, I had to go on one of them in Bristol. They all look they look easy, the quads, but they're really not. No, like, they're like, oh, you got more balance, but no. And then they've got the no. little stopper things as well yeah. that still scares you when you. <laughs> yeah, you spend a lot of time on your ass when you first start skating on quads. Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> Back to the um, hospitality bit. Did you ever used to go out with them? your like friends from hospitality because I used to work in a pub and I used to feel when I used to go out with the people from the pub it used to always be such a wild night because I think people mm-hmm. in hospitality have so much more energy so on nights out they're always just more kind of eventful more crazy like was that the same yeah. for you? Yeah so I used to work at a pub called the Cat and Mutton which if you're from East London you'll know it it's like in on Broadway Market it's like one of the best hackney pubs although it's got new management and new ownership now when I worked there it was like the glory years of the cat and mutton and I worked there for a long time almost two years I think and yeah it was a wild time of my life (laughs) it really was a wild time of my life looking back on it I'm like wow I must have been exhausted because there was it was relentless we were just not sleeping a lot of the time just working double shifts going out sleeping for like an hour and coming back and opening the pub again (laughs) all of us just like dancing on tables every single night lock-ins constantly it was debaucherous it really was for a long period of time (laughs) those always make the best stories though yeah yeah it was it was wicked like I look back on it with I, I honestly I think it was my favorite job I've ever had yeah oh, that's I really that's, do. yeah that's so nice to be able to look back and think that I think about my pub job I think it's definitely the worst job I had because it's just <laughs> an absolute like horrible um establishment really to be honest <laughs> but the people I met there were like the best so they definitely got me through it <laughs> Um, where's where's this pub is that up north yeah it's up north and it had one of those like deals where for a main meal it was all two for one so people there were, were definitely like looking for a bargain and not really like just there to just like chill and eat a pub lunch so it was pretty like there was food fights that broke out oh, wow. the police like, regularly had to be called i won't name the pub but it was yeah. <laughs> name and shame yeah <laughs> oh. And um, from there, how did you get into radio presenting? Um, I first started at radio. It was my second ever presenting job. My first one was for a drum and bass and dubstep label called Never Say Die. Uh, we did NSD TV, which everyone always used to think I was saying LSD TV. <laughs> no, it's N, N for November. Never. <laughs> Get that one straight. Uh, LSD TV sounds exciting though. Yeah. But no, yeah. <laughs> and imagine what that would look like. So no, that just makes me think of like cartoons and colours. <laughs> yeah. I reckon it would be wicked. Yeah. <laughs> so I did that for a bit. Oh, I, can't, I can't remember the exact workings of it, but. Long story short, I I sent a demo and I recorded a demo with the help of someone really great who kind of just reached out to me and was like, have you ever considered doing radio? And I was like, kind of, but I don't know. I I wanted to be doing music stuff. I wanted to be presenting, but I never really thought I had it in me. And someone was like, you know what? I reckon you've got got a good presence for radio. I was like, okay, let's try it out. I recorded a demo. Um, I sent a demo off 
to a bunch of radio stations and Rince were the first people to come back actually and obviously Rince is legendary and I was like sweet I'll take a demo there I'll take a little a little practice session and they gave me the graveyard shift of course because it really starts with the graveyard shift which is like Saturday morning at 7am oh, who knows no. and also around this time I had broken my leg so I was hobbling in on crutches oh, and I remember it was snowing and it was really icy and I was like slipping across the, the boardwalk at the Trisha Brewery which is really like- it was it wasn't far off from sledding into the studio, honestly. But it was great. And then eventually I sort of picked up more shows. I was training, like I was kind of being trained on the job. Julie Adanuga was training me. Um, she was a great teacher and our producer Sam Skit, shout out Sam, who uh really trained me up to be to be more confident and really built my confidence up and gave me some really good tips and lessons. And I was just obsessed with it. I was so obsessed with it. I was like, I'm just gonna get really good at this because I had nothing else to do as well because I've broken my leg yeah (laughs) so I was like this is the only thing motivating me at the moment so I just put everything into it and I ended up picking up shows really quickly um eventually did the breakfast show and then the drive time show and then I wanted to move on to more club focused stuff and shows so then now, now I've been doing my my weekly um club show for almost three years now Oh my God, time is flying. Wow. <laughs> yeah, especially because 2020 was 2020. It's, it feels almost that things are going faster because when you're referencing last year, it's now. The, Not like last the, year. Yeah, it's weird. Mm. What, was scary. It, what was it like for your kind of social life when you started kind of doing like breakfast shows and did you kind of still like go out, party and stuff like that? How was it jugg- juggling both sides? Yeah, we're still going out. Yeah. I was still going out. <laughs> I thought um, that was going to be your answer. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to assume. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was 100% still going out and it was exhausting because it just sucks because obviously like the fun for me, the fun starts getting going when it's later. Like, yeah. you know, when you go to an afters or whatever and I'm just always there watching my clock like, oh, I've got to get up in like two hours. Oh, did you um, ever do anywhere you just kind of went straight through and went straight to the show? <laughs> yeah, I've never, I've never actually told anyone this. <laughs> I, I think I got away with it. I think I thought I got away with it. I mean, I have gotten away with it. Yeah, yeah still there. <laughs> it was a long time ago. So anyone from Rinse, if you're listening right now, I'm really sorry. <laughs> but it was uh, it was interesting. I did roll straight through. I was kind of going for a breakup at the time. And I went out and I had a wild night and... I just decided that I could do it. And I was like, yeah, it'll be fine. I'm just going to go straight to the breakfast show. I went in and like, nah, I got about 20 minutes in and I was like, I can't do this. Can't do this. Cannot do this. And I looked at my producer and she was like, you can do it. I was like, okay, I'm going to keep trying. And about half an hour in, I was like, nah, can't do it. Can't do it. But my producer at the time, her name was Gabby. She was such a legend. She saved my ass because we had some like pre-recorded clips, some generic ones of being like, good morning, you're listening to the breakfast show. La, 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 la. and then we she just sort of spread those out over the next three hours of the show so thank goodness <laughs> for amazing women who save your ass in sticky situations and I'm never doing that again totally. so yeah <laughs> a lesson's been learned I bet that feels like so tempting though when it is like when you're at like an after party and you're like oh I can do it like I've got energy I'm absolutely fine and then as soon as kind of like you said half an hour you're just kind of like oh this is this is a bad idea yeah. <laughs> this is bad. it seems like a good idea at the time and then you're actually sitting in the radio studio and you're like what yeah and you actually have to be chatty and you're like didn't realize you actually have to talk still (laughs) yeah yeah and you're trying to talk and all that comes out of your mouth is like hello good morning 
I was going to say that, but after drinking, my throat is like, look, like sounds like I've swallowed a load of like knives or something. So that would be like the first telltale sign for me that I'd be like, hello. <laughs> You're listening to the morning show. Oh. And um, yeah, at least you've learned your lesson. Like you, you've tried it, but you'd, you'd, you'd never do it again. <laughs> was there anyone around that time who was kind of like your inspiration for radio presenting or was there anyone that you you were kind of looking up to in that world you know what the women that I was around in the studio at the time were really inspiring to me and that's when I met Maya Jama when she was 16 and she had such confidence and she looked like a, a woman you know what I mean yeah. she, it was it, it was just amazing to be in her presence and the way she would walk out of a studio with this like just gusto of 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 womanliness was amazing and was really inspiring to me Julie Azanuga was doing the the uh, drive show at the time and she's an incredible presenter she she taught me everything I know when it comes to radio I was really inspired just by the women I was around really Annie Mack obviously was a massive inspiration to me and still is um Davina McCall was a massive inspiration to me also I feel like every every girl who wants to be a presenter of our generation looks up to Annie Mack and Davina McCall yeah <laughs> because they're just they're just incredible, incredible women who are just such such authentic personalities, you know? Yeah. And I was really obsessed with Chris Moyle's breakfast show <laughs> on Radio 1 as well. I loved it so much. I listened to it religiously with my mum. Me and my mum loved it so much. And <laughs> yeah, I think it gave me a lot of my love for radio, that show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember when that ended and how massive that yeah. was. It was such an end of an era when that kind of... Yeah, 100%. But I love Greg James now. I think he's amazing. He's hilarious. Yeah, Yeah, he is. There's um, many times where I've driven... Many times I've driven to work and I've literally been like... Literally pissing myself on the way to work because he just comes yeah. up with all these little funny games and just figures out a, a good way of making everyone laugh and feel happy. Like even during yeah, like lockdown and stuff, mm-hmm. it's been great. It's just a great way to start your day, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I strongly agree. There's something just special about radio. Like I feel like Annie Mack said it on one of her shows, and she was like posting about it on her social that how in like times of lockdown when everyone's separate it's quite nice that everyone's kind of listening to the same music at the same time and I keep thinking that every time I listen to the radio and I imagine other people just like in the kitchen or in the car and it's kind of like this nice kind of community feeling about it that's great I've never thought about it that way before that's a really nice one also Clara Ampho as well is oh yeah fantastic human being in every single way and she is a she's a full-on inspiration for me yeah you've been doing stuff at radio one yeah what have you been involved with there i've been doing a monthly residency show over the past years i've done 10 shows now i think uh it's a shame though because we never got to really be in the studio properly because of lockdown so a lot of the shows are being recorded from home but i managed to get a couple in the studio before before covid struck oh wow um it was great though i've been i do i did a three-hour show every month which was representing new uk underground left field like bass and dance music so it was a lot of it was brand new producers but then i did some interviews with some some more established names as well and some really nice guest mixes it was wicked i really enjoyed it i loved doing that show how do you come across all these new artists i know that's like your job but (laughs) where, where do you go to find all of these people Oh, it's, whenever someone asks me that, I have to really think about it because it's basically just what I do 24 seven. Mm-hmm. It's what I'm doing every single day. But I don't know, where do I find them all over the place? But Bandcamp 
has got to be the best thing and best output for artists at the moment. It's really taken off in a big way, especially over lockdown, and is really supporting the underground as well, which is fantastic. Um, I don't know. It, it just kind of happens naturally a lot of the time. And then you get you get talking to someone or you start playing a, their music and then they start sending you music and then you hear about somebody else through that. It's, it's quite like a natural event, I guess, finding someone new. Also, I'm forgetting that before this lockdown, you'd hear new artists and new music at a rave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's literally left my mind. I'm so used to this new way of life now. I'm forgetting like, hold on, we actually used to just be in clubs listening to new music. So obviously that that is where you would hear new artists, new music and new DJs. And yeah, I'm just feeling quite nostalgic now. God, I miss it. That's so true. Because I feel like a lot of pe- the back, like, artists I find, I'm always like, oh, I was at this festival and uh, my friend either wanted for me to go or you stumble across someone. And I've kind of forgot that's how like you do listen to new music. And even just being in like the Skittle office and people yeah. putting new artists on the radio or the the stereo system and not having that I've, I've just realized that maybe I'm missing out on so many new artists at the moment now also I guess playing with other DJs as well if I'm thinking about it now the times when I'm playing with another DJ we're back to back like for hours and hours you're sharing music constantly and you're nicking each other's tunes essentially yeah. or sharing each other's tunes and in that way discovering great music and great producers yeah I miss Shazamin in a club oh, yeah your Shazam's got all like the best tunes because you've seen like you've been in like a shop and you're like I need this yeah this tune. it's always got a collection um, how have you found like recording your radio show remotely like do you record it in advance or do you do like live recordings from home from home I will record it all it, it depends if I'm if I'm doing my Radio 1 show half of it is me mixing and then the other half is me talking about tunes so mm-hmm. I'll I'll build my own show plan. I'll put everything in there according to time and minutes and whatever, and then I'll record. Oops. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'll record the in-between links, Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. But every mix that I've been recording from home, I've been recording it as live, essentially. So I'll record it as a live mix and then export that and send that out. Mm-hmm. So I'm not doing anything through Ableton or anything like that. It's not that it's not that I'm I'm like, oh, why are you building mixes on Ableton? I just actually don't know how to. <laughs> <laughs> Love I've, that. Never done it. I've never done it before. But also I can't I can't imagine it's very fun. Like I want to mix. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Just... I would rather do it as live than build it, you know, like you're just inputting tunes onto a onto a software program you know yeah do you still ever have those moments where like something goes wrong when you mix in something yeah constantly (laughs) constantly also I guess recording and building shows through lockdown has it's so tech reliant and we're not surrounded by producers or professionals in places with high high spec tech so it's so DIY that things go wrong all the bloody time I was recording something for Beatport and my Jane Coles the other day we did the did her residency and it was going so well <laughs> it was going so well and my housemate bless him he's so sick and he helps me out all the time he's a DOP for Arsenal Fan TV so he's got amazing camera equipment and he films loads of stuff for me he's the best shout out Brennan what a great yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know. It's amazing. So he's filming it for me, but he left the room because he had a meeting. He was like, oh, I've got a meeting. <laughs> and then he comes back in at the end and the camera obviously stopped recording halfway through. Oh. So I only recorded half an hour of it. So fuck. honestly, the rage, the rage that happens when tech doesn't come through for you is so, so intense. 
But then what I, f- I find what always happens is the next time you record it, it's better anyway. Mm. So sometimes it's a blessing in disguise. And we recorded it again the next day and we set up a projector and we took our time with it. And obviously I'd done the mix once already. So the mixing was smoother and whatever. So I'm kind of glad in hindsight mm-hmm. that it didn't work the first time yeah yeah <laughs> that's nice you took a learning from something that went wrong which is always a positive yeah that's always a good mentality to have yeah um, and you have your afters series which goes really well with the theme of this podcast yeah we're so excited to talk about this with you we've actually had afters conversation so um so you started afters and was that originally events oh, it sounds better when you guys say it afters afters <laughs> But I feel like I talk too literally. <laughs> afters. No, afters. great afters. Some people say afters. Yeah, afters. Doesn't sound good. Afters. <laughs> I'm sorry. What was the question? I got distracted um, by you. So afters. Well, I want to say afters. <laughs> now. Afters. Tell us about. Um, <laughs> afters was originally started as a live events. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, we started it. We we started it actually from the Rinse FM studios and um, we kind of just wanted to build the concept and the brand and 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 establish that before we took it into clubs because obviously with anything like that you've got to grow it from the ground up yeah and what was unique about it was we were streaming the party on radio at the same time so we grew it from the studio and then put it into the club essentially and we put it in this little club ah oh, can i say the name of it it's like a, actually it's changed its name now so it's fine i won't be baiting it out it was called soc studios which was called which stood for straight out of clapson studios <laughs> like around the corner from me and it's this great little club that basically has no rules so it kind of felt like an afters because it yeah. was quite small and intimate and you could do whatever you want you could smoke inside not that i'm advocating smoking especially inside (laughs) yeah we had some really really great great parties after we took it out of the studio into the club we did like three parties and had some amazing guests come through but then obviously covid happened we had to yeah we had to take it back into a studio environment i actually did it from my house for ages and it was really fun actually I guess that's normally where the afters would be right in the living room it kind of it made sense and it felt really nice and then when the rules started relaxing a little bit I was able to invite a couple of DJs to do back-to-backs with me which was really nice because they're my mates as well so it was was well fun I actually kind of miss doing that stream series (laughs) but I also don't because I'm like oh no more streams I mean I think every DJ at the moment is a little bit like oh I just want to play in a club I don't want to do a stream anymore although I don't know I do like a stream I am partial to I'm partial to a stream yeah and all you have to do is like sit in your lounge yeah. and everything's there but like you said technical difficulties yeah, maybe we, we tried yeah. to uh, Sam Divine about that and she was saying how strange it is kind of playing to just like your phone screen and we'd never thought about it that way being kind of like the viewers of streams and it, it must be kind of a surreal um kind of position to be in but I guess it it would be great if you if you could back to back with your DJ friends and stuff yeah it must have been amazing yeah because then it feels a bit more interactive you're with someone else there's a bit more human energy there although what I loved about doing those after streams is that we were streaming from Instagram as well and through the rinse channel so we had like a split screen thing going on and I was chatting to people live so it was really nice because I kind of felt like I was interacting with the crowd and I could kind of hear what they were saying which you never can anyway (laughs) yeah that's quite nice but now that things are starting to open up again hopefully Mm -hmm. fingers crossed we've got some really big 
plans and some good plans. And my plan was always for it to be an after party that started late at like midnight or whatever, and then goes on till five in the morning. And for for great established DJs to be playing with just like music heads because that's what happens at afters mm-hmm. part, after parties, you know. So that's our plan. We've got a couple of venues in mind. We've got a couple of things in the books that I'm not allowed Ooh. to talk about yet. Oh, excited. Yeah. <laughs> we won't but, push. Yeah, excited. Very, very <laughs> excited for afters to take off and carry on in the way that it was intended to be. Mm-hmm. So back when you started it at events, was that with all your friends or was that like the general public could cook? could go that was just my mates because it was yeah. in the rent studio so we couldn't really invite oh, the public okay. down but then uh, the first one we had in the club <laughs> i keep saying the club, the, club. <laughs> the first one we had like in a venue that's what you call it isn't it in a venue which it, it, that was public that was available to public you just had to sign up for a ticket and come down how did you find that experience of putting on like a an event and being more of a promoter as well as a dj an absolute nightmare (laughs) (laughs) i didn't know what i was getting myself into it's honestly it's 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 is that what you guys do as well then well, we just have that experience, I suppose. Yeah. In, we well, know a lot of promoters through Skiddle and know it's not right. a, a walk in the park. I actually helped plan an event at Tuesday Club and you played at it in Sheffield a few years oh, ago. Yeah. For freshers, yeah, and there were Skiddle signs everywhere. And we got and there were some really, really cool pictures of you playing. Mm, I basically like helped to organise that for freshers. How did you find that? Um stressful because you think oh <laughs> who's gonna come and then you basically just like oh don't I, I feel like it's not about. probably a good advertisement for a promoter but like it's a stressful <laughs> no, experience yeah. because you Pound are the back to anyone who does it it's, and it's does it well. such a um what's it like a a tight format that they have to stick to in terms of like making sure they're hammering out marketing teasing it then mm. getting the marketing out as soon as the tickets come out and then oh yeah. and, then, and then there's always like a dip in the sales and then that's when you start really getting nervous yeah. um, you know what I compare it to is it's like your birthday party every single month and you're scared that no one's going to come <laughs> and you've got to like make sure you've invited everyone and oh but it's it's obviously much more stressful than your birthday party but when it's yeah. your own party as well you feel such an ownership to it that you're always just terrified that it's not going to be good and it's so stressful mm. also something that I really learnt through doing this and through the stress of doing this is always reply quickly as a DJ for someone trying to book you because when DJs take ages to reply to you or they're a bit um and ah, that's the most stressful thing in the world because then time starts to run out and you haven't got anything solid, you haven't got anything in the books. So what I've learned now is whenever anyone asks to book me or gives me an offer, reply straight away. If any DJ listening... <laughs> oh, that's great advice. That is great. <laughs> That would surely make a lot of promoters <laughs> we work with lives easier. So, yeah, I think that's great advice. Yeah, because I guess then you don't want to book someone else because if the first person comes back, they were obviously your first choice and you want to make the space for them. It must be. Yeah. It's stressful. There's a lot to it. Mm. There's a lot to it and I didn't realise there was. <laughs> But I'm kind of getting the swing of it now. And I've got a great team as well. It's not like I'm doing it all on my own. So yeah. Mm -hmm. What are you most looking forward to? Well, the roadmap starts, well, it started effectively. What are you, where are you most looking forward to going out? Oh, I'm a bit, I'm a bit scared. (laughs) Yeah, we were just talking about this. Before you came on, we were just talking about how we are a bit nervous about going out. (laughs) Yeah. 
I'm finding it quite overwhelming seeing all these all these lineups and I'm just a bit like imagining myself being out for that first weekend or going to a festival again I'm a bit like whoa it's going to be really intense and scary and full-on and everyone's going to be super energized yeah. oh I don't know I don't know if I can trust myself to like look after myself <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm obviously really looking forward to it where am I looking forward to going out most? Do you know what? I'm looking forward to playing again the most. Mm-hmm. I really, really am. I'm really looking forward to that. I think my first first one back in the books is... I don't know if I can talk about it. I can talk about it. No, I can't talk about it. Oh, <laughs> we were so Let's close. Just <laughs> Let's just say it's a very prolific fantastic beloved london nightclub oh exciting. okay don't say like anything we might we're guessing we might <laughs> talk about this place sometimes I, that's my vibe i'm getting from that i'm speaking in this code now it's likely that you have spoken about that place a lot yeah then you know who it is <laughs> and everyone else probably but um no. so I was gonna ask about like your biggest pinch me moments you you got a nomination from DJ Mag for best solo stream what else has been up there I mean I can imagine that is I don't mean to put words in your mouth but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what no, that- what's been like the best highlight moments of your career that was definitely one of them it was completely unexpected as well so it was it was mad we opened a message from my manager and she was like check this out it's like what is this (laughs) amazing I was honestly I was ecstatic for days thank you very much to DJ Mag for that always honestly thank you um other than that actually it's so obvious I don't know why I'm rubbing my eyes pretending that I'm thinking about (laughs) 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 it was touring with MIA as her DJ Wow. It was, it was, it was like, it sounds so cliche, but it literally was a dream come true. Cause I dreamt about that happening. And I really, that was, that was a, like an ultimate goal for me that I never really expected to be a realistic goal. And it happened and it was fantastic. Like we toured so many different countries. We supported Lauren Hill and Buster Rhymes. We headlined festival and you know, you're on that stage and you've got a microphone in your hand and you're doing what you're doing and you just have to sort of get through it and do it well. And afterwards you're like, that's, this is actually happening. This is real life. And you do, you do sometimes think, am I going to wake up from a dream in a minute? <laughs> was that festival 2018? I think it was. Yeah. I was there. I was watching you. Yeah. There you go. You oh, there. I love that. I saw, yeah, I remember That's seeing amazing. MIA. Yeah, yeah, because I saw him at MIA that year at Where Else Project. Actually, were you were you on that there as well? I wasn't there. Like, I wasn't oh, I wanted that one. Well, like. No, I wasn't there for that one. But yeah, that festival one was amazing. Obviously, because that's. That's a festival that I love and that is is my country because we've been to other countries. So doing that one was great. Like my sister was in the crowd. Oh, one of my best mates from school was in the crowd. It was really it was a it was a milestone for me, definitely. Wow. So you toured like elsewhere other than the UK as well? Yeah, we did South Africa. Oh wow. We did some of America. We did Poland. Where else did we go? We did Australia. Oh, nice. Yeah, so we we got around. We got around and in the space of two years, we went to some really amazing places. How did that even come about? Does she? Oh, it's such a long story. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll tell you it. Yeah, Um, please. Well, I first met MIA when she was touring her album, her AIM album. 
which is her most recent album. And she was doing a lot of, a lot of the London stations. And my producer at the time for The Breakfast Show knew how much I loved MIA and was like, do you want to do this interview? I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this interview. If anyone else does this interview, there'll be hell to pay. So I can do it. And after that, like a year after or something, she was curating Meltdown Festival, which is a festival in the South Bank in, in London, which has been curated by some of the greats over the years, like David Bowie, Yoko Ono, in that kind of vein of, of curators. And she was asked to curate it. And she put something out on social media saying, if anyone's got any ideas or collaborations, etc., then let me know. I was like, shall I just message her because <laughs> i got ideas you know like we could do some radio bits there i could do some hosting could do some interviews etc and if she want you know if you want any curation input i'm up for it <laughs> so i just messaged her on instagram and i said hi like it was really nice to meet you when you came to the to the studio got some ideas and she messaged back saying what's your number and i was like oh my days well she calls me <laughs> uh but then her her assistant called me and was like yo do you want to come for lunch with maya and also with Maya Jama. So me and Maya Jama and, and MIA all had lunch and it was lovely. We shared some ideas. And then I think I, I DJed at a party in Berlin. But she asked me to DJ at a party in Berlin for her her film, her documentary film, which is called Matangi Maya MIA, which was touring. That was the European premiere. So I came and I DJed at the after party and it was just the best time. And I mean, thank the heavens, I played a really good set and it went down really well. <laughs> And then after that, I got asked to come and tour, be the tour DJ for her next show. And I was like, are you sure? <laughs> I was like, are you sure? Like, I don't know. We went to rehearsals and I ended up singing backing vocals, which I've never done before as well. Wow. And then I ended up hosting and then introducing her and MC, like not emceeing, but emceeing, you know what I mean? And then, yeah, it just kind of snowballed, which was fantastic. Suppose the moral of the story is make sure you always drop someone that message. Yeah, voice your ideas. Yeah, I think I think sometimes you just got to to realise that you got you got to realise other people on a human level. Yeah, because if that person is seriously asking for input from public input, then they do want to receive that. So just go for it. Exactly. There's nothing to lose. Oh, that's an amazing story. <laughs> do you still stay in touch now? Yeah, 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 we do. Yeah, we chat from time to time. She's making music at the moment, but she is MIA by name and by nature, so she's often <laughs> hard to get hold of. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> that's class. Um, so we always have a question that we ask everyone every episode so if you could go out anyone with if you go out oh i've just said that totally wrong <laughs> if you go out anywhere with anyone where would you go and who would it be with oh it's well putting me on the spot it's a bit of a tongue teaser that really i could go out with anyone anywhere dead or alive not in a covid world <laughs> okay i think i would go I think I would go to like Baltimore or Jersey and go to like a B-more or, or like Jersey club night. And I'd go with Rihanna, obviously. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes. I've not had Rihanna before. That's amazing. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, why wouldn't you? She's class. <laughs> yeah. Have you been out there before? Not to that part of America, no. Yeah, but it's on the list. It's on the list. I love that music. I love it so much. It's got my heart. So, yeah, I would want to just go and shake my ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
it's been it's yeah. Been, yeah it's been really interesting and really great to chat to you um thank you so much for your time yeah thank you for jumping on it's been great to get to know you and hear more about your going out experiences yeah definitely thanks we hope, very much we hope to see you at uh afters events yeah yeah you guys have got to come down to london and come to one of these let me know when you're coming down totally. you oh, thank you yeah i'd love to we're, we're planning to to do them up north as well at some oh, point yes Ooh coming to a town near you <laughs> yes <laughs> exciting all those norm all the all those northerners sorry definitely want to be afters afters <laughs> afters. <laughs> afters. <laughs> afters afters mate yes. afters yeah <laughs> thank you so much for having me it's been really nice chatting to you girls you thank too you. thank you bye see you later Thank you for listening to the Going Out podcast with Skiddle. Don't forget to like, rate and subscribe wherever you hear this podcast. Thank you.